You're listening to the Palo Alto Network's podcast series, conversations about securing our way of life in the digital age. Welcome, everybody, to Don't Panic, the podcast from Unit 42. I am Ryan Olson, VP of Threat Intelligence. And I'm Rick Howard, the Chief Security Officer here. And this is the podcast where we help you understand the big topics in cybersecurity and help you understand why you do not need to panic. And what is the big topic today, Ryan? The topic today is DNS tunneling. Woo! It's interesting, I promise. <laughs> this is a topic that is near and dear to my heart. Well, we're recording this on a Friday afternoon. We're going, ooh, DNS tunneling, very exciting. But you're promising me that this is will... will uh, keep everybody interested. Very exciting. So uh, DNS tunneling is a covert channel. This is a way for malware inside your network to communicate out to the outside world to an attacker without anyone knowing, without so, it being noisy, without anyone seeing, with it being over a very, very simple protocol. So we see these things in uh, these kinds of protocols uh, for command and control channels, yep. for exfiltration. Exfiltration of data. Right. So, uh, and sometimes bad guys use these channels uh, over standard protocols, and sure. sometimes they invent their own. We're Absolutely. going to talk about DNS as, as one of the standard protocols and how they um, twist it for their own uh, their own things. Exactly. So first off, um, nearly all malware uses DNS in some way, but most of it uses DNS in the way that the domain name system is supposed to be used. So just really quickly, the, the purpose of the DNS system, the domain name system, is basically to act like the phone book for the internet. It's to take a name of some kind, like example.com, and to provide a number that's associated with it, an IP address. Because so computers don't know fancy names like They don't know, right. and humans like names. So you could look up example.com, you get back an IP address, and now your computer knows what it needs to go and connect to. So this is part of the infrastructure that makes the internet go. Exactly. It's critical. Every network uses DNS, uh, and the process of looking up a no domain and getting back an IP address is called resolution. You're resolving the domain. What you're talking to is a DNS resolver. That's the actual server that you're going in making a request to. So most malware, and we recently pulled the stat, it's almost 80% of malware that we detect in wildfire uses DNS in some way in its command and control protocol. That's really large. I, I wouldn't have expected that. It's but, a lot. Yeah. And it, it's just doing that, is looking up a domain that the attacker has registered, getting an IP address, and then connecting to it on another sort of protocol, HTTP or something else that the attacker might invented, or a standard protocol like you were describing before. So DNS is everywhere in every single network. And because of that, DNS tunneling is a great way to hide in a whole bunch of noise. Because yeah, uh, everybody sees it on their network and not expecting it to do anything weird. So it could just traverse your network and nobody's watching it. Yeah. In a lot of cases, people are not looking at their DNS logs. So to, to explain what DNS tunneling is, we're sort of perverting the DNS protocol to send some data out and to get some data back. So to give an example of what that might look like, if, if, I got, if I'm in someone's network and I want to send a message out to Rick, Rick is going to register a domain, let's say example.com, and he's running the resolver for example.com, which means anytime I look up a domain like www.example.com, he's going to get that request and send back an IP address. But if I wanted to send Rick a covert message, I could look up something like hello.example.com and then look up rick.example.com and that message of hello rick could be parsed out by that server and then used in some way. So the, uh, they can uh, twist the protocol of DNS to send what you said is covert messages. Cause, exactly. Because uh, nobody's looking for that stuff. And that hello rick isn't very covert. It's not a lot of data either. So if you think about what the attacker has to do to, to make this really work, um, they've got to do some more stuff. So first 
Um, DNS requests, those domains, can't be longer than about 253 characters. So if you want to send a whole lot of data, like exfiltrate somebody's files, uh, let's say you had a 1,024-byte file, a kilobyte file, pretty small, uh, you're not going to be able to fit that in a single packet. You're not going to fit it in a single request. So the first thing you have to do is say, okay, let's break it up into multiple chunks. Let's take uh, 200 bytes at a time, and we'll add a sequence number. So now, instead of just going to hello, Dot example.com, you've got your data.1.example.com. And then a second packet with data.2.example.com. And each of these sequence numbers could then build up on the re resolving server, and it could reform that data. So it's kind of like uh, how people try to send long essays in Twitter. Okay? Sure, yeah. They you, only have a small this number. This is a thread. Yeah. And the server has to unroll that thread. Exactly. Yeah. So another challenge that you'll run into is a domain name can only have certain characters in it. You know, you're not going to put, you know, you can't put a star in a domain name. You can't put a space in a domain name. You can't put unprintable characters in a domain name. So the next thing you got to do is encode the data in some way. Uh, and luckily, there's lots of ways to encode data for this particular purpose because um, similar to a URL, domains have sort of similar um, requirements around them. So if you use the Base64 encoding technique, which basically just turns your data into just basically letters and characters, uh, you get almost everything that's allowed in a domain. Um, the only thing that Base64 includes that a domain doesn't is an equals. It uses the equal sign for padding at the end. Uh, and we've seen attackers just change those into dashes, and all of a sudden they're in good shape. So you've got to encode it and then chunk it up and then put in sequence numbers and you can start co sending out some covert data. So is this a common thing, Ryan? You see a lot of hackers doing this all the time? So DNS tunneling is not common. Um, it is, uh, I'd say, uncommon. Um, and the reason for it is uh, it's a really slow protocol. So we, what we've described so far is how you might send data out. Uh, you also want to be able to get data back for mm -hmm. a command and control channel. So if you're sending all that data out in those methods and you want to get data back, like a command to actually issue uh, to the host, or you want to install another executable on the host, that could be a really large file that you're sending back. So the way the domain name system works is you have different types of records. So the kind of record that you're normally looking up is what's called an A record. This is the record that maps a name to an IP address. And an IP address, an IPv4 address, is four bytes. So we've seen some attackers encode data into those four bytes. They'll basically use one byte as a sequence number and then the other three bytes as data bytes. And every time you send back a response, you get three bytes of data. And three bytes is not very much for all those requests that are going back and forth. So if that's going on in your network, that is a boatload, a truckload. You should see a lot of <laughs> requests. Um, so some attackers have got a little smarter, uh, and they'll use IPv6 addresses instead. Mm -hmm. So the DNS record for IPv6 is called a quad A. It's basically four A's because a IPv6 address is four times the size of an IPv4 address. So in that case, you get four times the data. You can send quite a bit more back. Uh, and the ones who want to be send lots of data and they don't want to get very clever, they use something called the DNS text record, the TXT record. Mm -hmm. It's a record not a lot of people are aware of. They don't know this might exist, but DNS can store lots of types of data. It's really just like a lookup system. And the text record can hold up to 255 bytes. So if you do a text record lookup, you can get back quite a bit of data. Uh, but it might look a little bit out of place to an organization who actually is looking at their DNS data. If they're seeing suddenly thousands of TXT records coming back, they might think that that looks a little bit suspicious. I want to go back to something you were saying before, the, using IPv6 to do it. Mm -hmm. Most network defenders are not even looking at IPv6 traffic, so yeah. that would be a perfect way to sneak stuff in and out of your network. Yeah, because you're just <clears> looking, and this is just IPv6 responses mm -hmm. uh, to DNS requests. So it still looks like DNS in the first place. Um, we actually recently did the math on um, if you wanted to transfer some data. So there's a group that if you follow Unit 42, you've probably read about Oil Rig. Oil Rig's an adversary that we've 
written lots of reports about. And one of the aspects of the tools that they build is they very frequently include, as a secondary channel, they normally use HTTP for their command and control, like most malware does. But as a backup, if they're blocked, they'll go back to DNS tunneling. And each of their tools, they use different sort of techniques for DNS tunneling, but there's one called Alma Communicator, um, which uses uh, these big, long DNS requests. That's what you would see for the outbound data. And it uses IPv4 for returning the data. And one of the tools that OilRig likes to use after they get into a network is Mimikatz. Mimikatz is a tool for stealing passwords from a host. Out of memory, right? Exactly, out of memory. Mm -hmm. um, and we looked to see if you wanted to transfer all of Mimikatz through this Alma Communicator process, the number of DNS responses it would take is 170,000. Oh. So that <laughs> might make you go, that would look really weird in my DNS logs. Um, and if you say that, I would say that's awesome that you have DNS logs because not everybody that's does. True. This is an unfortunate space where a lot of people just do not have visibility in their DNS data. And one of the reasons for it is a lot of times the, the people who run that DNS server, that your DNS server in a lot of organizations might be just your Active Directory. It might be set up as your DNS server, and the security team might not have access to the DNS logs, because it might not even be configured to log all those DNS requests. And if that's the case, you've lost a lot of visibility, because you can't even go and say, what kind of DNS requests are we making or are we not? So well, the podcast is supposed to be Don't Panic. This sounds like we should start panicking since nobody's watching this. What should we be doing? So the first thing I'd say for not panicking is um, this is really uncommon. So there are lots of tools to allow someone to tunnel entire protocols over DNS uh, as a covert channel. So I might be able to download, download one of those tools and route all of my traffic, sort of like I would over the Tor network, only route it all over DNS. That's a possibility. Uh, but this isn't like a super common threat vector that you're going to see. Oil Rig is not out there attacking everybody. Uh, they're a relatively small group, and most um, attackers aren't employing this technique. It doesn't mean you shouldn't care about it, and it doesn't mean you shouldn't care about DNS, though. So... From a don't panic perspective, I'd say you should be thinking about DNS. You probably know this is a threat already in one way or another, and trying to figure out how you start getting those logs into your system and making sure that you have security solutions in place that can block DNS traffic and ideally detect malicious DNS requests like DNS tunneling requests. I mean, this is a standard best practice. You should be figuring out how to log everything as much as possible. And, you know, and some people do that in one way and some people do it the other, but you should have a strategy for that kind of a thing. Absolutely. DNS is a big blind spot for a lot of folks. Well, and then uh, just put our sales hat on for a while. We know that uh, some um, upgrades to the latest PanOS for Pan, uh, Palo Alto Networks is going to have some features that will look for this kind of thing. So exactly. if you're a customer, turn this stuff on. Absolutely. DNS security, very, very important. Excellent. I think we got it. We do. And that sound means it's time for the pop culture moment. All right. Let's have it. All right. So this week, um, we have the movie Untraceable. So have you seen this, Rick? I have. It's a good one. So Untraceable, for anyone who's not familiar, um, this is a movie um, about an attacker who has decided to uh, basically film killing people on the internet and broadcast it. And sort of an aspect of how they kill people is the more viewers go and click on their webpage, the more sort of poison is injected into the person. And it's kind of like, kinda like likes. Every time you exactly. go to the website, it's another like. And the, fast, and the more likes you have, the faster this person's going to die. Yeah, so this was released back in 2008. So we've got 10 years since it came out. Um, but you also, uh, the reason it's called untraceable is that the, you know, the, the law enforcement officers who are trying to track this guy down, they're struggling to find 
the server trying to shut it down because what they want is to kill it. They don't want people to see someone dying. Right. They don't want people clicking on it. They want to shut this down. Um, so they have some interesting technical conversations in the movie. Uh, and the one that I'm going to play for you guys now is relatively accurate. It's a pretty good conversation. This is Diane Lane, who's playing one of the FBI agents. Who, by the way, real-time actress. Okay, This yep, is not absolutely. some uh, low, uh, low-time person getting their first job. This is a real actress doing a real cybersecurity movie. Absolutely. And uh, this is pretty accurate. So let me play it, and then we'll discuss for a little bit. Here we go. The site's IP keeps changing constantly. Each new address is an exploited server that's running a mirror of the site. The site's Russian name server, it uses a low TTL, so your computer constantly queries the name server's record, and that's how it gives you a new address so consistently. I mean, look, there are thousands of exploited servers on the Internet, so he's not going to run out of victims anytime soon. But he's accessing these machines so quickly, he's got to be running his own botnet. I mean, we are black holing these IPs, but every time we shut one down, a new mirror pops up. Understand a single word you just said. I heard Russia. What do they have to do with this? All right. So a lot, lot of buzzwords. A lot of buzzwords. A lot of jargon that went off in there. But I think they probably had a consultant who gave them some relatively good advice. Uh, what she was describing there is a, a DNS technique that we call fast flux. I know, which was really big back in those days. In 2008, right? this was a big thing. Yeah. Not so much today, but the idea was just as she described. You get a botnet, lots of I, lots of hosts that are uh, running your code. In this case, running the website's code, and you point your domain to any of them with a very low time to live so that if one of those IPs get shut down, when someone makes a new query, you can just point it to a new one. Yeah, the time, really to live, the time to live feature is uh, how long should you cache the, the first exactly. answer, right? So if you get it really low, that means you have to go ask every time yeah. if you want, to, want the new IP address. And a lot of websites, you know, in the old days, we used to set these to really long amounts because you didn't want to generate lots of additional queries. But DNS at this point is used for load balancing and all sorts yeah. of other things. So a lot of times we see zero TTL, so you always make a new request every time you see that domain. But overall, I'd say this is a pretty good example of technical jargon in one of these movies. I won't say everything in this movie is completely accurate. There's some stuff that's a little bit <laughs> fuzzy. Um, but overall, this one is pretty good. So we're going to put this in the watch this and don't cringe bucket because we don't find too many of At those. least for the minute that I, uh, <laughs> that I played right there. <laughs> Excellent. Not too bad. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Uh, please join us again on the next Don't Panic. See you, everybody. You've been listening to the Palo Alto Network's podcast series. For more useful information, including conversations like this one, visit paloaltonetworks.com. Thank you.